Motown Philly's back again. Doing a little East Coast swing. Boys to men going out. Not too hard, not too soft. Back in school, we used to dream about this every day. Could it really happen? Or do dreams just fade away? Stop, 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 stop. God, guys, damn it. Yo, everyone, and welcome to episode number three of the Philadelphia Sports Complex. It is Thursday, May 20th, and another absolutely beautiful day. Perfect day for baseball for the uh, 8,000 or so lucky fans that are able to go to the Phillies game tonight. But before we talk about anything baseball related, we got to get to the most important thing that's happened in the last week. And no, it's not Ryan Kerrigan. The Sixers. 10, 9, 8, fucking 76ers, baby. We're in the number one seed. I know this is something that, like, is a little bit unusual to get really excited about, but uh, I think it's really important. Um, Obviously, being the one seed in anything is great, and you can have fans, so there's always some bit of importance on some home court advantage, but I just think... After everything we went through with all the process years and all the bullshit teams we saw on the court, that this is like kind of a little reward for us as Sixers fans. So obviously it's not a championship yet, um, but it's it's a really, really good change in direction because they were never able to get the one seed before, even when they had some pretty good teams the last few years with Jimmy Butler and uh, the year before with Ilya Sova. And um, I know he wasn't an important part, but um, I thought that that team was pretty, was pretty good and had just as good of a chance. Um, This, this is, this is good. This is a really good situation for the Sixers to be in. Um, It's, it's wild because with the Nets and Knicks being in here, there's a chance the Sixers don't even have to board a plane for like a month and a half of the playoffs because of the proximity of some of the teams. So this is just like the best case scenario for the Sixers. This has such a good feeling to it. And I know that that's probably going to blow up in my face as soon as, um, you know, now that I've said it. But I, I feel really good about this team and I'm really, really pumped. And I hope everyone else is too about them being the number one seed. Um, and then I think this is just the beginning of, of, of what's to come. So it happened. The starters got to sit the last game and B shows up with the biggest chain probably on earth, considering it looked big on him and he's a giant. Just having him like with the amount of confidence and, and happiness, it looks like he has playing basketball again. That, that is huge for this team. Like, when he was at his best was when he was playing because he loved it and because he loved, you know, getting the fans into it and having everybody cheer for him. That is the best version of Joel Embiid. He always rises to those kinds of occasions. And I think it's a complete 180 from where he was last year. And maybe COVID had something to do with it. Or maybe it was the coaching situation and, and them just not seeing eye to eye, but whatever it is, he looks like he is ready to go. And uh, he is, it's, it's impossible not to say this. He is the most important player on this team right now. And him being healthy and being confident and happy going into the playoffs is so huge for their chances going forward. It's also 
worth noting that they're all healthy. Um, they're going to have all five starters available to start the first game, which is a, a, a blessing. It's it's so important for this team with the injuries histories that they've had for all of those guys to be healthy and available in the first game because we've seen how um, average some of the guys on the bench can be. We don't want to have to get to that too early, and we don't want to have to overuse them. Um, so having every starter healthy and, and ready to go and having this this week off with the play-in games is just so, so critical and, and, and so so great for them. Um, it's just, not just for MB, but think about, think about where this team was, uh, last year and not even a year ago because of the, the COVID restart, this team, I want to read you the top five players, uh, who the, the players with the top five minutes from our playoff games last year. So you can hear this list and think about how drastically different it's going to be, uh, to this year's squad. So the top five players in minutes last year in the in our four game getting swept by the Celtics, Joel Embiid, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Shake Milton, and Al Horford. That's a completely different team than what we're what we're going to be putting on the court this weekend. Completely different. And think about how we all felt at the end of that. Like, I think I don't remember if it was game two or game three. I just I didn't. I knew they weren't going to win a single game in that series. They looked awful. They looked like they didn't care. They looked like this year's Flyers for the entire season. Just no effort, no interest, just not nothing. And to go from that feeling of just like, wow, we can't win a single game in the playoffs against the Celtics, to now being the one seed, not even a full year later, is absolutely insane. And yeah, Ben Simmons missed missed the playoffs because he was hurt, but. The rest of the roster shakeup has been so critical to this team and the coaching. Doc Rivers has done such an awesome job with this team so far. And I know some people give him shit for, for different things, but you can't take away the the change that's happened from from last August until now. It's it's a completely different team, a completely different outlook from the fans. Everything just feels better. Everything about it is better. And uh, there's a lot of people that deserve credit for that. Um, but just just take, take a brief moment and just soak in how different this is and how much better we all feel. So um, I mentioned the first games coming up this weekend. We have the uh, Sunday 1 o'clock slot, which is unusual for uh, one seed to get an early game. But I feel like they kind of always do that to the Sixers. Wh- whatever. It's... um. It it just means earlier beers on Sunday. Uh, you know what? What are you gonna do? It's just like it's like a football season. You know, you got to drink beers at one o'clock on a Sunday. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's gonna be ninety one degrees and sunny, so I think we'll all survive. Um, I'm pumped. Obviously, you should be too. Um, we don't know who the opponent is yet. Uh, that is so. I'm recording this uh, on Thursday, and um, the 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 matchup that determines the Sixers' opponent is happening tonight. Um, so it's the Pacers versus the Wizards, and if I'm being honest, I would much rather face the Pacers. I know the Wizards were the worst team for most of the year, but I I just don't want to see I don't want to see Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. I, I watched the the game they played the other night, and Westbrook did not look great um, compared to what what you're used to seeing from him. So maybe he's just like 
just burn out from how hard he had to try to get him to this place. But I still don't. I'd rather not see him. Um, I'd rather play the Pacers. I I don't see. I don't see anything. It, it just it's not as scary to go up against the Pacers. They played well against us this year. Um, I'll give them that, and they still could. And fuck, for all we know, we could get swept in the first round again. But if I had my choice, I'd rather not have to play Russell Westbrook because he definitely gets under Embiid's skin. They do that to each other, um, and I don't think it would be. I just don't think it would be great. I don't. I, w- I wouldn't like that first round matchup. I am pumped that the Celtics and Nets are going to be playing in the first round because. The Celtics played great the other night, and um, the Nets haven't been playing all together for a while, so it it should scare you as a fan of a team. Like, yes, James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving are some of the best basketball players on the planet, but not everybody can play well together, and they haven't had a lot of time together. They've Even in this not even full season of all three of them being there, they've all been hurt at different times, so... There's there's definitely still room for them to to have some some warts and I think a team like the Celtics who had a disappointing regular season but still has some great players could be a really tough matchup for them and hey if they want to knock out our biggest competition early you know I'll 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 root for the Celtics in that sense but um yeah we'll see uh it's going to be interesting either way um I hopefully the Sixers First round matchup is more relaxing than watching any Phillies game, but um, that's yet to be seen. Um, I guess the biggest question now for the Sixers is bench minutes because there's been some guys who've had some ups and downs. Obviously, Thibel's going to be one of the first guys off the bench for his defense, um, but I'm curious to see how how the bench plays out. Uh, it's obviously all going to matter. I don't know, you know, I don't know how many games the starters can do it all by themselves. As good as some of these guys are, I just, you know, the, the bench players are going to matter and factor into some of these games. So it's going to take some creative coaching, um, some trust in some guys. I'm excited to see how it plays out because I'm excited to see the Sixers going into a, a playoff series like this. But there's definitely still some question marks. There's still some things that could get in their way, and the bench is probably going to be the biggest hurdle. Um, but I, there's there's talent there, and there's some veterans in George Hill who have been in this situation before and are hopefully a calming presence and can slow games down when it's needed and not not push things too hard and, and make too many mistakes. So I think they have good balance, but we're going to have to wait and see how that all plays out. Um, right, so that's it for, for the Sixers. Everybody, get your beers ready. Go shopping tomorrow so you're not rushing around Sunday morning because it is an early start and you got to make sure you got your cold ones ready. So let's move on. Um, Next up, let's talk about the Phillies who are playing tonight um, and have a chance to final or not finally to win another series um, against the Marlins tonight. And uh, that would be good because they had a pretty disappointing weekend with against the Blue Jays in the minor league, whatever park the Blue Jays are playing in right now in Florida. Um, it's a great night to be at a game. I'm very jealous of everybody that's there. Um, it's kind of odd to see Vince Velasquez going up against another starting pitcher who has a lower ERA than him, but I'll take it, um, especially after last night. I mean, 
Two nights ago, we had Wheeler had a great start, but uh, the bats didn't really wake up until the end of the game, and then they really came alive late um, and, and helped them win that game two nights ago. And then last night, they just they just ran into a really, really talented young pitcher who just was able to locate everything he wanted to. I mean, Taylor Rogers is... I think he's only 23 years old. I mean, this guy, that guy's going to be a really, really good pitcher in the major leagues for a long time. Um, and Eflin, Eflin had a, had a fine start. He went as deep as he always does because that's what Zach Eflin does. Um, but he's and he's basically been kind of the the pitcher I thought or hoped he could be at this point. Um, hasn't had really only had that one disappointing start against the Nationals last week. And outside of that, he's been good um, and pitched late in the games. He's he's doing what you would hope out of your number three. Um, and our number two starter, Zach Wheeler, has been incredible. Um, he's 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 been an all star, you know, so far. I mean, it's it's I hesitated a little bit because every pitcher almost this year has been an all star with with how things are going in Major League Baseball. I mean, there was what the sixth or seventh no hitter last night. Um, pitching has been absolutely dominating hitting so far this year. And it's great that, you know, some Phillies like Zach Wheeler are taking advantage of it and are able to, you know, be a part of, of some of these groups of, of really talented pitchers. Um, but it's also disappointing when you look at how Aaron Knowles pitched at least his last two starts. Um, he's got to get better. Uh, and I I don't doubt that he will. I mean, there's nothing about how he pitches or his makeup that's changed at all this year. Um, there's just something's just been off for these last few starts, and I think that he he's just going through a little bit of a weird stretch, and that he'll 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 right the ship eventually. I mean, some guys just take a little bit longer to get going. Um, you know, it's about a quarter of the way through the season so far, but um, it's it's. There's still a lot of baseball left and a lot of time for Nola to pitch uh, the way we're used to seeing him pitch. And I think that he will get back to that pretty soon. The only issue is, uh, will Wheeler come back to earth? I mean, he really didn't strike anybody out last year and has improved on that quite a bit. But he's just been really dominant. He's been our best pitcher so far. I'm just nervous. I mean, he he's pitching at a very high level right now. So it's obviously going to come down a, come down some. Um, but with how hard he throws, it's just, it just makes me a little bit nervous. And I just hope that there's not some, that he's not pushing too hard and uh, too early and that he can kind of continue around this pace for the, for the whole season, because we're all hoping the Phillies make the playoffs. And if Nola gets right, Wheeler's your number two, Eflin, I, at this point, it's easily your number three. There's nobody else even close, even though Velasquez has been pitching a lot better, but I still, like I said the last episode, uh, they still they're still another pitcher away, and I don't know if there's anybody available that's good enough to be a three starter, at least that like what the Phillies would want or have to give up. But um, it's just yeah, it's tough because yeah, it, there's there's just not a whole lot I think still in the in the farm system that that they can afford to to part with. Um, but knowing Dombrowski, he will because he's a, he's in a win now mentality his whole career, and they have a team that's built to do so, um, and they have some some struggling some really struggling teams in the division. The Mets are very injured. 
The Braves are a combination of being injured and just underperforming. The Nationals are just not not the same roster they were when they won the World Series. And I think could potentially be sellers at the trade deadline. And the Marlins are still too young. Um, even As well as they've been playing, uh, especially against us the last two days. Um, and they, they have some incredible young players. Jazz Chisholm, I, I'm so jealous he's not on our team. I wish I, we had a player with blue hair like that. He He's so cool. Um, but anyway, speaking of the minors, um, I don't know if anybody remembers the name Cornelius Randolph. He was a first round pick of the Phillies, uh, maybe five, six years ago, something like that. He is now, um, finally kind of living up to the hype and the, and the, the, um, reason that he was picked in the first round. Uh, last night in AAA, for the, the fight and fills, he went, or not fight and fills, uh, the iron picks, he went five for five, a single, three doubles and a home run, uh, raised his batting average to 350 on the season, which it's, yeah, it's, it's early. So, you know, he went from 257 to 350 in one night by going five for five. But still, um, he's at the highest level he's been at and he's hitting. Um, so that's encouraging. Um, I don't think the Phillies are going to make any drastic moves in the outfield, especially this year. Um, but going forward, it's really encouraging to see young players um, in AAA and AA hitting well because we're not too far away from needing those guys in the starting uh, in the starting lineup. Um, right now, um, and I talked a little bit about it last week about how I'm just not I'm not rooting for Odubel Herrera. I'm not pumped that he's on the team, um, and he of course has. Um, done very well for himself uh, the last week, especially uh, he's getting on base a lot. He is playing some very good defense in center field. He keeps, he, he doesn't seem to be out of position too often when balls are hit towards him. Um, he's, he kind of, at least right now has a pretty firm grip on that position. So uh, I'm still bummed about it. Um, like I said, I'm not rooting for him as a person. Um, it, but it looks like he's he's probably going to be our everyday center fielder, um, you know, barring anything crazy. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, so I guess that's that's all I'll say on that. A um, couple other notes: the injuries have been not not terrible, but not great. Uh, Gregorius goes on the IL. Real Muto hasn't played the last few days, but I think he's going to end up avoiding the IL. Um, it's it's not the end of the world, I guess, with Real Muto because Knapp is one of, if not the best backup catcher in baseball. Um, he, I, I think he's he's the perfect backup catcher to have. So if he needs to fill in for a couple days, I think there's there's bigger holes in our roster that would need to be filled. Not to take anything away from from JT because he is the best catcher in baseball, but um, but Knapp's a Knapp's a pretty incredible backup too. So. Yeah, hopefully um, he comes back tonight. I haven't seen the lineup yet, um, but hopefully JT comes back and Gregorius comes back uh, sooner than later. I've seen uh, Archie Bradley was also uh, activated off the IL, which is nice because that's one of our more important, I think, um, off-season bullpen additions. And uh, the bullpen has been nowhere near as bad as it was last year, but it's it's still important for those guys to to be healthy and get confidence because I think once um, once 
once the uh, the confidence starts going for some of those relief pitchers, it, it it all falls down pretty quickly. And there's been a couple games already. I don't think Bradley's the kind of guy that's in line um, for any save opportunities, but Neris has had some shaky moments already. So if nothing else, it would be great for the Phillies to have somebody at least pushing him um, to say or to make sure that he knows that he's got not only does he have to pitch well because he has to pitch well, but because there might be somebody there to, um, you know, to take over his opportunities if he's if he's not doing what he's supposed to. So, again, they've been better. Um, Naris had a pretty bad game two um, two weeks ago. Maybe I can't remember now, um, but overall, they've been better. So I don't want to be too critical of them and uh, want to stay positive on on how they've been going so far. Um, all right, so that's it for the Phillies. Um, couple quick things on the Eagles. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan got signed here, which is a really interesting move for them. I think, um, I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Uh, every one of his numbers last year was down, but so is his playing time. Um, pro football reference lists him as only starting one of the 16 games, which makes sense because Washington drafted... Chase Young last year, number two overall, and Montez Sweat pretty high in the first round the year before. So there's their starting pass rushers. I mean, when you invest two early first-round picks in a position um, as good as a veteran's been for your team, um, regardless of how long they've been there, those are the guys that are going to play going forward. I mean, what's the average life expectancy? I don't mean like actual life expectancy, but career life expectancy of an NFL player is like three years maybe? So Kerrigan's been there for a while. It, it just made sense. Um, they had a they had a chance to draft somebody they in Chase Young last year. They thought was a generational type of pass rusher, and he certainly seems to be. So somebody's going to lose playing time, and it was him. And his career may you know it. I'm not gonna say over. Maybe he doesn't have as much left in the tank um, as we hope he does. But I just there's you can't have too many pass rushers. There's no possibility that you can go into an offseason and say we've got enough pass rushers I, I just i'll never believe it regardless of who's on your roster somebody's going to get hurt somebody's going to underperform something's going to happen it's it's such an important position there's a reason that the guys who have the most sacks get paid the most money it's because it impacts the game tremendously um and now having having kerrigan on there he's not going to start here the starters are still going to be graham and Derek barnett um so that gives them the the defensive end rotation that we have been accustomed to here. And sure, it's a completely different coaching staff, but no defensive coordinator is going to turn out, turn down a good rotation of defensive linemen that can pass rush. Um, so now you've got Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, and Ryan Kerrigan. And that's a pretty good foursome. You need some... I think you always want to have one of these veterans. Like when we had... Um, uh, Chris Long. I'm not saying he's going to have the same impact, but you, I at least always want at least one veteran pass rusher on there because some of the young guys, especially like we've seen the past few years with our defensive ends, will get uh, taken advantage of because of their over-aggressiveness. And it could be for a number of reasons, but there's been a lot of opportunities the last few years where the Eagles have had a guy in a position to make a big play for a loss and were completely caught off off guard because they were being too aggressive and not maintaining their gaps on the defensive end. So it's important to have that balance. 
and yeah, Graham's Graham's been here a while. He is definitely a veteran, but the other side needs somebody behind um, behind Barnett that can't be uh, fooled and taken advantage of by by too many trick plays or play action or misdirection plays. So I I'm very happy about the signing. Maybe it doesn't work out, but a veteran there teaching some of these young guys is also a good thing because. You know, it's sometimes you don't always want to listen to your coach, and sometimes it's good to, to hear it from a guy who's been doing it as recently as last year. Um, he still had five and a half sacks last year, Kerrigan, so he's not completely done. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's not it's not going to be the signing that highlights um, an off season. Uh, it's just it's just not. It's late. It's after the draft. It couldn't be at this point. The guys that are still available are not going to be the best guys at this point. There's a reason no one signed them. And sometimes, yeah, it's because they're asking for too much. Um, but in this case, I think it's the right mix of, hey, let's give him a chance. His playing time was down. Maybe he's still got something to offer. And the Eagles not really having too much money to offer anybody for anything. So um, I think it's a great move. And I think it's going to pay off at least a little bit, I, hopefully the whole year. And hopefully we're all pleasantly surprised by what he does. Um, but you know, uh, it, like I said, this is not, this is not the move that should make you think that the Eagles are suddenly going to be in first place. Um, especially because now the schedule's out, the Eagles are now only favored right as, as of today are only favored in two of their 17 games this year. So, um, I don't think signing is going to change too much of that. It's, that's a little low even for where I think they are. Um, but it is what it is. Um, they didn't have a great year. There's not really one defining thing you can say that would make them take a huge leap into next year. But um, still kind of shocking to see them only favored in two of their games. Um, so far, um, the report came out this week that Zach Ertz is not going to be reporting to OTAs. Obviously. Why would he? Um He's already told them he doesn't want to be here and asked to be released. And the team's not not doing it um, because they're trying to trade him, which is understandable. You you know, as great as a guy has been for your your franchise, you can't just give everybody away for free. You don't know anybody that. It's still a business at the end of the day. And we as fans may be bummed that, you know, he's disgruntled and, and that it may end a little bit messy. But, like... In two years, if that's, you know, maybe maybe at this point it's a fifth, sixth round pick, something like that. But, you know, that could be a player that that, that helps us. We've had players in those rounds that, that have, have impacted our, our team before. So you can't just give guys away. It's I understand why they're not just releasing him. Um, but I also understand why he's not reporting and why he's frustrated. It's, it's completely understandable on both sides. Um, something else kind of shocking I think from this week was Jalen Hurts on pro football focus was ranked as the second worst starting quarterback in the league I think that's a little bit more harsh than um only being favored in two games so far I'm not sure who specifically to put under him but uh there's going to be rookies and there's going to be players that start uh, it just seems impossible like He's not perfect. He wasn't perfect last year. He had a lot of turnover-worthy plays towards the end of the season that uh, you you just can't have. Um, but that still seemed a little bit low. I'm not saying he deserves to be in the top 10 or top 15, but that's just 
something just doesn't feel right there. Um, I yeah, I, that one. Maybe maybe people disagree and think that he's ranked appropriately based on how he finished the season, but um, I, I I think that one's a little bit out of line. Um, so some other uh, interesting stuff from this past week, at least, or some of the reports coming out about how um, Sirianni has been winning over some of the veterans in the team. And I saw a picture of him the other day wearing a Brandon Graham t-shirt, which I thought was pretty cool. And I think, um, you know, we don't really know what he's going to be like calling plays and, and coaching the team. But I think he's, I think he gets it at least. Like he seems to have a uh, desire to do all the things that I think make uh, good coaches. And I do think that um, being a, being able to relate to your players is an important part of being a coach because um, we've seen here in this city what happens when a coach can't relate to veteran players and gets rid of them because of whatever reason he chooses to, Chip Kelly. Um, and yeah, like maybe Bill Belichick is not the not the greatest at that, but Andy Reid seems to be. And um, I would, you know... There's nothing wrong with being either one of those coaches. Andy Reid's been a great coach here. Not saying that Sirianni will be, but I think he's at least so far doing the things that um, that are encouraging. So that's something I'm going to keep an eye on, obviously, too, how he actually coaches because that matters way more. But, um, you know, I'll take at this point with with how unknown he is and and, and what this team's going to look like under him, I, I'm taking every little victory I can. Um, the only other big news from the Eagles this week was, um, they made a trade, um, for a cornerback I've never heard of, and we traded away a cornerback I didn't even know was on a roster. Um, so that was something. I don't know if either of those guys are ever going to have an impact on our team or the Jaguars. Um, I don't know. I, I, I am a little bit unsure of how to feel about um, you know, our defensive coordinator potentially taking corners that fit his system more than some others, because I don't think that's worked out very well for us. And I know he's different than, than who we've had here previously, but it just feels like the last few years, uh, we've let a lot of talented enough corners go because they didn't fit what we were doing or they weren't playing well here. And then they've had nice careers, um, when they've moved on, um, Rezul Douglas played very well for the Panthers last year. Sidney Jones for the Jaguars. It's just, I feel like we've given up on some guys too early. Um, so I hope that that's not what's happening here. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't a high pick like Jones or Douglas was. So I don't really think there's, there's much to worry about. All right. Well, now that my cat is screaming in my face, uh, I guess we better call it a night. So everybody, let's go Phillies. Let's go Pacers, I guess, tonight uh, to, to play the Sixers. Anyway, hope you get your beard shopping done tomorrow and have a great place to watch the game on Sunday. We'll see you next week.